Paul was a Christian leader during a very dangerous time for the church. He had to leave the city of Philippi after facing mounting persecution and an illegal imprisonment. And all of that persecution was then inherited by the Philippian church. And yet, in his letter to the church, he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Faced with violence, prison, even death, Paul told the church to give thanks. Prayer and thanksgiving can't be separated. It's as if the only real prayers must be spoken with gratefulness. How else are we to pray without ceasing unless we are living a life of continual thanks? In all situations, at all times, thanking God for everything. You see, the gift of prayer, this privilege of communing with our Creator, is our opportunity to show our complete submission to God's will in sorrows and joys alike, in all things, in every prayer. There must be one constant. Lord God, thank you. In everything, pray. Last week, we started a new sermon series called Emotions, where we're going through different emotions that we find in the Bible and see how to deal with them in a biblical aspect. I want to thank you as a church for being such a loving and understanding church and allowing me as one of the pastors to express the emotion of hurt last week. To express that sometimes even I question why God. There are so many pastors out there who their church hold them to such a high standard that they would not be able to really preach from the heart because people would judge them. And I want to thank you guys as a church for not judging me as a pastor when sometimes I question why God. So like I said, last week we started this sermon series called Emotions. Emotions are a very real thing that we deal with as humans. So last week, like I said, we discussed the emotion of hurt. Where is God when I am hurting. Well, today we go to another one. A big one right now in this world, anxiety. Anxiety is this giant that is all around us in the world today. It threatens, it taunts, it intimidates, and sometimes it paralyzes us. And this giant is very real, and sometimes it can be deadly. Anxiety and its cousins panic, worry, fear, and dread is so complex that it's not something that I can even speak totally on. There are so many different levels of anxiety and so many different ways that you can deal with it. Some people, they have to go see a professional. They have to go see a counselor, or they have to go see a doctor. I cannot even begin to talk about that part of anxiety. The only part that I can talk about today that I am maybe just a little bit qualified is the spiritual aspect of anxiety. Again, there are spiritual 
mental, physical, emotional, genetic, and circumstantial factors that cause us to fall into this grip of depression and pulling us down in the ability to deal with everyday life. To underestimate the power of anxiety and just blow it off with, like, eh, it is what it is, whatever, I'll get over it, is such a wrong way to look at it. Because when we do that, it just brings us further and further down. And we never are able to deal with the root problem. I know this because I have suffered this year through a little bit of anxiety, through panic, and worry. But I know that there is a way to overcome this and come out of the valley of anxiety and depression. I know that on the other side, there is a God who loves you and who understands and cares for you. So today I'm not offering a quick fix on anxiety because there is no quick fix. People will say, well, just give it all to God and it'll be okay. But you know, as well as I know, that it's not true. God is there to help us, but it says in this world you will have trouble. We are going to struggle. But there is a giant slayer who is on our side in this battle. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can come and we can worship you. We can praise you. We can cry out to you with whatever is weighing us down. I ask now that you speak through me over these next few minutes, these few moments. Let me be used by you. Let us look into your word and see how to deal with this real emotion of worry, anxiety, fear, and the things that weigh us down. We ask this in your name. Amen. So today we're going to take a look at a very common scripture of passage that people go to during difficult times, during their hurting seasons, during the times when they feel alone and anxious. The Apostle Paul is writing from Rome, so we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians, so you can go ahead and start to turn there. And Paul always wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. He knew that if he went to Rome to preach the gospel, that would be one of the greatest platforms he could ever stand on. Not just the fact of how many people were going to see him, because it was never about that. It was never about Paul. It was, hey, if I go to Rome, I know that then the word of God and the love of God will be spread throughout the world. So here, Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippi. He finally made it to Rome. He finally made it. He was going to have a huge audience. Everybody was going to hear, right? Wrong. He made it to Rome, but it wasn't in a big coliseum. It was in a little jail cell. And this is where most people would get discouraged, but not Paul. We don't know exactly what Paul was thinking at this moment, but from the context of this scripture and from the other letters that he wrote, we can probably guess about that he had a positive attitude while he was sitting in this jail cell. He was probably thinking, this is still a great thing, even though I am in jail. I may not have a huge crowd, but those people who are chained up next to me, they can't go anywhere. 
so they have to listen to me all day long. I get a new Roman soldier every eight hours that I get to share the gospel with. So even though I might not have a huge stage, I still get to share the gospel. So from this place of prison, Paul writes to the church of Philippi. We're going to be reading our main text is going to be in chapter four. But I want to read a couple verses just to really show you the kind of person that Paul was. He was writing this letter and not just of support and encouragement, but he was also thanking the church for what they had done for him. So if we're going to pick out one main theme of the book of Philippians, one main topic, the topic would probably be joy. Throughout this very short book, the word joy or rejoice is found over a dozen times. So Paul is telling them either to have joy, rejoice in what the Lord has done, or think about the joy that is yet to come. So a few verses to really capture who Paul is. Chapter 1, verse 6, he says this, And I am certain that the God who began a good work within you, he says, I am so certain that God has been using you. He started to use you from the very day that you gave your life to him. He will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. But that doesn't matter. Verse 8, it says, whether their motives are false or genuine. He says, I don't care what your motives are, really, when you are sharing the gospel. If you're out there quoting scriptures, if you're doing it just for yourself, or if you're doing it really to glorify God, he says, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that the message about Christ is being preached. So either way, I will rejoice. And again, I will continue to rejoice. Verse 21 for me, living means for Christ. In some versions it says, to live for Christ is gain. Or to die is better. So when you live for Christ, it is the best thing that you can ever do. But if you die for Christ, that is where your faith truly comes in. And it's not just dying a physical thing. It's dying to ourselves. In one, in one book it says we need to die to ourselves daily we need to die to our sin natures every day when we wake up we have to decide i am going to live for christ i am going to put off my old my sin nature and i'm going to put on that new person that christ has made me chapter 2 verse 13 through 18 it says this for god working in you giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him do everything without complaining or arguing. Wow. I fail that one. I don't know about you, but I'm being honest. I do not do everything without complaining or arguing. Even the sometimes the simplest things when I wake up, like on a Saturday, man, I need to do yard work today. I really do not want to do yard work. Why can't I just live in an apartment where I don't have to do it? Ugh. It's hard. But we have to have that mindset of, all right, yes, I don't have to. I get to. Instead of I have to do something, I get to. I don't have to come to church. I 
get to in this life. I don't have to give to God. I get to. When you change your attitude, everything else changes. So he says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Especially as Christians, people are looking to our every move. If we complain about every single project or every single task that we are given at work, people are like, you're a Christian? Man, you complain a lot. I don't want that life. So live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. Verse 16 in chapter 2, hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to what God says. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run this race in vain, that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share in your joy. I think that is one thing as people and as Christians, we don't do a lot of times. We don't share in other people's joy. Somebody gets to do something like, they get to do that? That must be nice. They got a new car? That bus must be nice. They get to go on vacation. That bus must be nice. Instead of saying, you got a new car? Awesome. Dude, you're going on vacation. I want to hear about the experience you had when you come back. As Christians, especially as Christians, when one of our fellow Christians, something good happens to them, we need to rejoice with them. Too many times we base our happiness on other people. And if you continue to base your happiness on other people, you are going to be miserable. And you're going to be looking at everything you have as not enough. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens. I never get tired of telling you of these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. I do it to keep your faith strong. Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I will keep going. I will keep going forward because that is where my goal is. My goal lies ahead and not in what is behind me. Chapter 4, therefore, verse 1, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Stay strong to your faith. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate, for you are gentle in all that you do. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. In some versions it says, don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. It's a progression. There's a progression there. Don't worry. Pray. Thank God. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace 
will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, one final thought. I want you to make sure that you memorize this one final thought that I give to you. Fix your eyes on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be upon you. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need, but I have learned how to be content with what I have. So many messages here from this very short book that I speak, that I, I know speaks to me. And that hit me and I'm like, wow, okay, I've got to learn how to be content. I've got to learn this. Wow. Whew. Verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is full, with a full stomach or with plenty or little. Verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. In 19, in chapter 4, it says, And the same God who takes care of you, will, who take, the same God who takes care of me, will supply all your needs. He said, The same God that has been with me through every step of my journey, who is still with me here while I am in prison, he will supply all of your needs from his glorious grace which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. So I think it would be easy to say that Paul's love language would be words of affirmation. Throughout this whole book, he is just doing everything he can to encourage the church there at Philippi. Never once did he complain about his own situation. Never once did he be like, guys, I am here. Can you do something for me? Come break me out. Come get me out. I don't want to do this. I need to be out there. Never once he said, hey, this is where God has put me at this moment, and I am going to live for him in every single situation. The verses that I really want to focus on today, the, the, let me say the meat of our text is going to be from four, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. So we are going to look at them again. Paul was telling them to rejoice in the Lord always. When? Always. In every situation. He says rejoice, like we heard last week. We are to rejoice when we are on the mountaintop and rejoice when we are in the valley. We are to rejoice in the good times and as hard as it is, rejoice in the bad times. We are to rejoice when the economy is strong. We are to rejoice when the economy is wavering. We are to rejoice when we are healthy and rejoice when we are sick. Paul said rejoice in the Lord, and he said, I will say it again. He tells them again. It's so important that he doesn't just say it once. He says it twice. Then he said, let everyone see that you are considerate, or let everyone see that you are gentle, because the Lord is near. And then he gives this command. Another thing from this scripture that is so hard to do, he says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Has anyone else besides me 
disobeyed that command lately? I think pretty much everybody has. This has been a trying year for a lot of people. And we worry through every single twist and turn. I don't care how spiritual somebody thinks they are, how religious they think they are. If you've read the Bible a hundred times from front to back, if you can quote scripture all day long, we all worry. We all have our moments of anxiety. During normal times, like, you know, a couple months ago, back in February, if you were going to have to give a presentation to your team at work, you might have got a little bit anxious, a little nervous. If your boss came to you and said, hey, we got to have a meeting today, see me before you go home, you might be like, Oh, crap, what does he want now? Uh, Jeez. If uh, maybe you're in school, you're about to take a test, you might have got a little bit worried about those. Those are some of the smaller things. Now, anytime we get on our phone, we turn on the TV, we are just bombarded with this stress-inducing news. The world is falling apart. The economy is this. Now they say this many people are going to die. And now there's no toilet paper, so I'm definitely not shaking your hands. And we get so nervous about everything. That's, that's why we're really not shaking hands. There's a shortage of toilet paper. Don't come near me. <laughs> we get so anxious. And like I said, there's so many different levels of anxiety. For some, it's not that bad. And some of you are like, social distancing? Can't hug you? Can't shake your hand? I've been practicing for this. I get to stay home? My sister-in-law, Nina. Yep, yep. I don't have to deal with people? Ugh, people. And then some of us are like, got to stay home with our kids? Awesome. We get to spend more time with them? Awesome. How many rolls of toilet paper will you give me for this one? Just, just go ahead and take them for a week or two. Some of you are like, okay, I've never signed up to be a homeschool parent. I am still trying to figure out how to math. Carry the two. Right? I think that's what Chris said a couple weeks ago, right? Carry the two, something like that. And you're, you get anxious about those things. While others are worried about some of the bigger things, like you think you might be sick. Every time you get a little cough or your stomach is upset, you're like, oh, no, I need to go see the doctor. Oh, no. Maybe you get anxious that a family member is getting sick. Maybe you're anxious because of your job or your income has been changed drastically. Some of us are battling anxiety and depression, and we're not even sure why we are. We're really not even sure what we're worried about, but we wake up and we just are overcome with these feelings of anxiety, of worry, like we're this weight that is weighing on you. That is why today I have titled the sermon, Putting an X Through Anxiety. We are going to do our best to cross out anxiety in every way we can. So let's go back to our text and dive in a little bit deeper and really break this down. So chapter 4, starting in verse 4, says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate or gentle in all that you do. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. Don't 
Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So prayer, but prayer with thanksgiving. We could say it this way. Prayer with praise. So we are going to be thankful. Present your request to God. So when you pray, and when you praise, we are to present our request to God. Again, it's a succession of things that we have to do. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, and the peace of God that we cannot even understand in our own human capacity, our own comprehension, the peace of God will guard. And your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer and praise. When we pray, we should praise. And when we do, God will give us his peace. You could say it like this. Prayer and praise proceeds peace. So the prayer and the praise comes before the peace that you will get. What does this peace do? This peace, it guards. It guards our hearts and our minds. Does the peace guard as we pray and praise? In other words, a lot of us right now, what we feel is panic. But what we want is peace. We feel anxious and worried and afraid. And a lot of times through this message, I say, I, because again, I feel the same way too. I'm not just putting this out there saying that this is for all of you. This is definitely for me as well. I feel this panic, this anxiety of what is going on. But what I want is peace. So how do we get this peace? How can we experience this peace? The peace is proceeded, again, by the prayer and praise. We could say it this way, that prayer and praise are the pathway from panic to peace. Prayer and praise are the pathway from panic to peace. Now, when I was in cemetery, I heard that if you start a sermon and you have a lot of P's in it, you get extra points in heaven. And that's what I was kind of going for. So I've got five there. So I'm, I'm on a good roll. If you know me, that's pretty good, you know, from some of the other things we do. Show hands laughing. Yep, that's right. So, again, what does the peace do? The peace, it guards. What does it do? It guards your hearts and your minds. When I was in high school, I was a wrestler. And a lot of times somebody might walk through the wrestling room and they would scream. And so I'd take my eyes off of my opponent, the person I was practicing with, and I would take my eyes off of the goal of what I had. I would drop my guard. So this one time the coach's son, who was about 10 years older than me, 125 pounds heavier than me. He came in to practice one day, 
And he, this guy was a two-time state champion in Pennsylvania. He was drafted 44th overall for the Milwaukee Brewers. So, big guy. And we're wrestling. He's like, you're ready to go hard. I thought we were going hard. I'm like, whoo, man. It's like, sure, let's go. So right after I said that, somebody else screamed something, and I took my eyes and looked over there, and right away, boom. And if you've ever seen those cartoons where, you know, the birds are flying around the head, that's exactly what it was like. So after a few moments, he's able to get up. It's like, whoo! He goes, you dropped your guard. What have I been telling you? Don't drop your guard. Make sure you keep your guard up. I've been telling you, don't drop your guard. Peace guards us. What brings peace? Prayer and praise bring peace. Peter tells us his own version of this about how to deal a little bit with anxiety. In 1 Peter 5.8, he says this, Cast all your cares, cast all your worries, all your anxieties, all the worries about your job, about the economy, about your marriage. Cast it all on God because God cares for you you like we heard last week god doesn't just see us he notices us and when he notices us he cares for us and he has compassion for us what we have to remember here is peter was a fisherman so he knew about casting a net it wasn't a fishing pole like we have today that are nice and lightweight and you can cast it far. No, these big heavy net nets. So he's not talking about just toss it out there. No, he's saying take that and hurl it out there. Throw it as far as you can. Everything that you are worried about, he says, throw it all to God because he cares for you. All your fears, all your burdens, everything that is waking you up at night. Cast it all to God. Why? Because he cares for you whatever you are going through right now i want you to know that god cares for you if you're watching this from your home if you're sitting on your couch if you're in your kitchen if you're in the car if you are sick and in the hospital if you are curled up underneath the covers because you feel that god is so far away from you i want you to know that he cares for you and he is near. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you even till the end of time, even till the end of age. And I know that sometimes it feels like God is far away. And you're worried about how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to pay your mortgage. You're worried about your health. You're worried about your job. You're worried about your children. But God cares for you. And then after Peter says to cast everything on him, he gives us a warning. He says this, but be alert, be on your guard. Don't drop your guard. Why? Be ready with praise and prayer because he says, be alert, be sober minded, because the devil who walks around, who prowls around like a roaring lion is looking for someone to devour. Cast everything you have on God. 
up, be aware. The devil is out there seeking somebody to break down. Looking to somebody to make them anxious and afraid. Looking to tell somebody, God's not there for you. He's not there for you. Why are you trusting in him? People tell me, you know what, Pastor Luke, I know you're preaching this week. I'm going to pray for you because I know the devil is working and he's coming after you. And what I want to tell them is you too. Be on guard. You don't drop your guard either because Satan is always out there and he is always swinging. And it only hurts. It can only truly affect us if we drop our guard. How does the devil attack? How does Satan attack? He targets our mind, and his weapons are his lies. What does he do? He tells us, you're not going to be able to make it. Your marriage is going to fail. The person you're dating, they don't really love you. You're going to end up jobless. You're going to end up sick, and there's not going to be a ventilator for you. If God really loves you, then why did he allow this to happen? The devil will come at us time and time again. And he will come at you until you drop your guard and you feel like you can't make it anymore until you're weak and you want to give up. His target is our mind and his weapons are his lies. You have to tell yourself time and time again, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. God wants me to prosper. The devil is a liar. God wants me to live abundantly. He wants the best for me. The devil is a liar. I'm not listening to him. The devil is always swinging towards us. That is why we have to always keep our guard up. Prayer and peace. I know like some of you feel that you are under attack. And like I expressed last week, the attack that we have been under Besides the miscarriage, the, the multiple car problems, the, the COVID and Allie lost some hours at work. And so then we had lost some income at the beginning and having to watch everything we do. And then I've been waking up throughout the night and not able to sleep, waking up. Don't go back to sleep. Don't go back to sleep. Okay, pray. Okay. And I just feel like I am under attack as well. But I know I have to keep my guard and as a pastor, as a leader in this church, as a leader in my family, I want to lead with strong faith and believe that God is with me and God is for me. But there are times when I feel just a little bit overwhelmed and I feel just like the rest of you. I don't want that. I don't want to have to deal with any of that. And sometimes it's even the simplest things. Like when we first started to do the live streaming, just trying to figure out the best way to still get the word out when nobody was here. All right, let's try this camera. Okay, first week it was really bad. All right, let's try there. Now let's move these tables around. Now let's plug this. Okay, how does this sound? How does this look? And the headache of technology, sometimes that alone overwhelms me. And I have to go to God with prayer and praise, like, all right, God, 
I know Facebook said they're going to shut us down because we're live streaming music that we don't, ha- we don't have the rights to, but we're going to keep doing it, and we're going to figure it out, God, because we've got to get your word out there, God. And I have to go to him with prayer and praise, God, all right, this message this week, it's got to get out. All right, we've got to get the word out. And we have to keep our guard up. We have to go to God with prayer. And when we go to him, we have to go to him with praise. Whenever anxiety attacks, whenever you feel worried, don't drop your guard. When that happens, a lot of times people will be like, all right, well, this is happening. All we can do now is pray. I feel so overwhelmed. All I can do now is pray. Have you ever wondered how that must make God feel when you say, all I can do now is pray? We put God on the back burner so long that he has become our last resort. All right, well, I tried it all on my own. I guess now I'll go to God. Prayer should never be our last resort. Prayer should always be our first line of offense and never our last line of defense. We can pray. We can go to God in prayer. And that's what we are going to do as a church. That's what we should be doing as a church, as a body of believers. We've got to keep our guard up. We're going to the all-powerful, the all-knowing, ever-present, ever-loving with God whom nothing is impossible. And it says that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, then mountains can be removed. And sometimes we'll go to God with just that little bit of faith. We're like, God, this is what I'm facing This is the mountain that I'm facing, God. Remove it. And we open. And that burden, you just feel it lifted off. And other times, you go to God like, God, remove this from me. And we open our eyes, and it's still there. But there's a shovel. Because God's saying, you've got to put in the work. Faith is good. But you've got to do the work also. You've got to get into the word. You've got to spend time with me. And when you spend time with me, then I will show you how to remove that mountain. We have to go to him like the woman of, with relentless faith and found in Luke 18. And we have to pray and pray. And I'm not talking one of, the, you know, one of those polished prayers that sometimes we say here at church or we say over a meal. Or the crazy prayers that we teach our young children sometimes. We teach them, all right, let's sit down and say our prayers. All right, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to save. Hey, hey kids, say this prayer, you know, because you might die tonight. and Someone's going to take your soul and uh, you want to end up with God and not the other place. If that doesn't scare a four-year-old, I'm going to die tonight? What? No, I don't want to die. We need to go to God, not with those safe, polished prayers, but the kind of prayers that you don't want anybody else to hear. 
The kind of prayers that are from the heart, from the depths inside, where you just cry out to God, help me. I need your help. I need your mercy. I need your grace, God. I can't do this. God, I don't know what else to do. I've tried and I've tried, but God, I need you. We've got to put on the armor of God and realize that we can go to God anytime with anything. And we need to believe that he's not just there with us, but he is for us. We have to thank God, not just for what he has done, but thank him for who he is, his character, for his nature. And we don't just stop with the prayers about what we want but we give him praise. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. It's so easy to praise God in the good times. It's so easy to praise him when we are on the mountain and things are going perfectly. Yep, I made another sale this week at work. Yep, I got another bonus. Yep, I just got a letter. They're going to refinance our house for free and drop our percentage, so our mortgage payment is going to be less. Oh, yeah, God. Yep. Thank you, God. What about when you're in the valley and you feel that he's not there? And you feel like you can't make it on your own. It takes real faith to still praise God in the middle of the storm, not just to cry out and ask him to make the storm be over, but be like, God. I know you are with me in this storm, and I am still going to praise you no matter what. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. From the rising of the sun till its setting moment, let the name of the Lord be praised. So Paul made it to Rome to preach, and yet he found himself as a prisoner, locked up, awaiting potential execution, and he said, rejoice. The worst of the worst circumstances. And yet he's telling us, you're going to make it. Don't worry. You're going to make it. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and finisher of our faith. You're going to make it. With thanksgiving, he says, present your requests to God. Why are we going to God with thanksgiving? Why am I going to God thanking him before I have an answer? Why am I thanking God for an outcome that I don't even know yet? Because in Romans, it says this, that we know that all things work together for the good. A lot of people will stop right there like, hey, remember, it says all things work together for good. Don't worry. Trust God. It says all things work together for good to those who love God, not just to who say, hey, I go to church. Why isn't this working out for me? To those who love God. Sometimes God's answer is no. Sometimes it's wait. 
horrible. I hate waiting. Who likes to go to a restaurant and wait? Okay. You're crazy. Yeah, you knew one out of four daughters would be crazy, and we found which one it is. Yeah. Waiting on God, waiting for God's answer is hard. We go to him with thanksgiving because God notices us. He loves us, and as hard as it is to swallow, he knows what is best for us. We thank him before it even happens. We present our request to him, the God of peace, the God of heaven, will guard our hearts and our minds. So how could Paul give praise when he might be executed? If you look at the beginning of Philippians, Paul says, hey, guess what? It has become clear to the Roman leadership that I'm not just in chains for what they think I've done, but I'm in chains for Christ. I'm locked up because of him and i get to share but who's the real captive audience it's not me it's them everyone in jail all of the soldiers know about god now because of my chains that i'm wearing other people's chains are falling off other people's chains are dropping and they are set free in Christ because I am locked up. What the devil meant for bad, what the devil meant for evil, God has meant for good. It's a hard thing to understand, but one day it'll all be revealed to us. God will show us that the things that you went through in 2020, the things that were meant to upset you, to dishearten you, to make you anxious and worried, that here is the good for you. And you will be able to show others how to walk through what we went through. It's very important to know that you are not standing alone in this valley. You are not standing alone helpless. That God is right there fighting for you. In fact, he has already taken on every single Goliath you will ever face and has won. So today, set your gaze on him. Don't ignore the fact of fear and panic and worry. It's like the light comes on when you're driving your car and that little check engine light comes on. The check engine light itself isn't the problem. It's an indicator of something else. We need to find out what is the real problem inside of us. And that's what we take to God. We won't ignore worry and fear and panic, but we will choose to lift our eyes.
someone who is bigger and more powerful and someone who loves us and wants to lead us back to the light. Like I said, everyone's anxiety and worry is unique and complex. But we have a God who is fighting for us. Your hope is in Jesus, the great shepherd, the way, the truth, the life. He's inviting you to allow him to lead you through whatever you are facing today. God understands that we do get stressed. And the best well-known text from the scripture probably is Psalms 23. And at the core of this, it's a really extraordinary offer from God that he will guide us through every season. God promises to lead us through the shadow of death. That dark place where every fear and doubt, and we think about every negative possible outcome. As David is writing Psalms 23, he is facing a life-threatening danger. But he is confident in a shepherd. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, once again, referring to Jesus as the shepherd. We have all faced valleys like this, and many of us are still facing them today. And we are going to face them throughout our whole life. But remember that God will walk through the valley with us. He does not lead us into the valley, but promises a way through it. The current place of struggle will not be our end, because our hope is found in Jesus. The devil tells us you will never win. You're in this alone. God's not with you. And he wants us to feel like we are all alone in this bubble. And the answer is we are never alone. The giant you're facing may be big. But it is never bigger than Jesus. Today, Jesus wants to break that power of that lie that Satan has had in your life. And he is going to tell you time and time again, he is bigger than whatever you face. God is bigger than anything you will ever encounter. The question is, which voice will you choose to listen to? Are you going to listen to Satan, the liar, wanting to destroy you? Or Jesus, the one who speaks the truth. You have the power, no matter how hopeless you feel, to choose what you set before you. You can fix your eyes on the giant, or you can fix your eyes on the giant slayer, the one who has overcome it all. Many people have fought this fear of anxiety, this giant for years, and I would be a fool to stand up here and prescribe some band-aid scripture like, well, this will fix it all. Just don't worry and give it all to God. But God does not want us to lose our hope. 
life is going to be hard. Even as a Christian, we are going to face things every single day. God does not want us to lose our hope. Our anxiety is a symptom of something else is wrong. Maybe an outcome that we don't like, something that we can't control. And once we are able to really identify that thing that is setting us off, then we can cast it onto God. We call out to Jesus. And when we do that, that does not, that does not guarantee that we are going to wake up and all of our problems are going to be gone. What it does is we trust a little bit more. Living free from anxiety and worry is all about trust. Do you really believe that God is able? Do you really believe that he loves and cares for you? Do you trust him to work through the circumstances for his best will? The answer is found in the cross. The place where God demonstrated that he is able to take on every and all situation and bring glory to it. The problem is those who struggle with this thing of worry and anxiety is that there's not a physical weapon that we can use to defeat it like we do in other situations in life. But thankfully, we have a shepherd who has pledged to defend us at all times. To put an X through anxiety, you are going to have to see Jesus as your defender. So when you're under attack, when you're feeling stressed and vulnerable, look to someone who will take up the cross no matter what the cost. Someone who will say, hey, I've got your back. As a child of God, he already has our back. No evil plan of attack or fear can stand up to the shepherd, Jesus. And even while we are still sleeping, he is watching over us. He doesn't just send us into the valley. He leads us through it. And when he leads us through it, he has a rod in one hand and a staff in the other. When we stop and think about it, it's pretty amazing that most of the world is not all curled up in a corner ready to give up. With all that is going on in the world, your personal challenges, it's a recipe for disaster and worry. And anywhere you can turn to help with your anxiety and worry, you're going to find a few common things. And one of them is to relinquish, relinquish control or let go. So stop trying to manage your own life. We say it time and time again here at church and in New Hope for Recovery. When you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. To admit that doesn't just shrink our responsibility, but it causes us to pray and trust.
need to admit that we are not in control of this world. And remember that Christ is the one who brought us from death to life. Here in a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to come to the altar and lay it all down at his feet. Father God, we thank you for not just what you have done, but we thank you for who you are. Right now, God, I pray for those who are stressed, depressed, and filled with anxiety, Lord, that they would not give up, that they would break every chain that binds us, everything that weighs us down, and that they would have the power to overcome. I pray now that we don't drop our guard and we won't let the anxiety of this world win. I pray that we will praise you today with that kind of praise that makes the devil mad. The kind of praise that is helping us pass from fear to faith. With peace. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead does and can live. I pray, church, that you remember that you are an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. The devil is always swinging. So keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. Come to him today and lay it.